Experience Darden Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, we return to our ongoing spotlight series focused on student founders here at the Darden School of Business with a conversation with Grace Collins and Ellie Jamison. Grace and Ellie are two second year students in our full-time MBA class of 2024, and they also have a venture together called Play Henry, a pickleball equipment and apparel startup. I recently connected with Ellie and Grace to talk more about their backgrounds, how they decided to pursue an MBA, what led them to Darden, as well as how things are going with Play Henry and so much more. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here's my interview with Grace Collins and Ellie James. Grace, Ellie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Thank you for doing this. It's always nice to spotlight student uh, founders, entrepreneurs in our midst. And so um, before we get to talk about your venture, just want to check in with y'all. How's everything going? Ellie, how are you doing? I'm great. Yeah, no, we are in our almost fourth week of second year and things are going well. School's back in session. Things are picking up, but yeah, things have been really well. Yeah. Yeah, it's busy, but um, it's a nice busy and it's great to be back on campus and sorry, grounds, I guess. And to <laughs> and to see uh, to see, you know, all of our friends we've missed uh, throughout the summer. And yeah, it's lovely to be back. The second year, it feels like it starts very quickly. Uh, like you right back in right back into class. Uh, Grace, what are you taking? Uh, how many classes do you have this, this quarter? Quite a bit. Maybe six classes. Um, I'm doing a lot of entrepreneurial classes. So um, starting new ventures is a big one. Um, and then we're in venture velocity, which basically allows us to work on our venture during class and and have support of other founders in our in our year. Um, doing uh, some sourcing classes that I thought would be pretty relevant for the venture, figuring out how we can source sustainably um, for our venture and just in the future as we scale. Um, those, are, those are a few. Ellie, how about you? Uh, any classes that you're taking that you want to share here? Yeah. So Grace mentioned Venture Velocity. And I definitely want to plug that. Such an incredible class that goes to, you know, complete time towards your venture. Um, my other favorite class is private equity and entrepreneurial finance. And it just it's a great resource for any founders learning the tools that they need to raise money and ha- navigate the early days. All right. Well, thank you. It's always fun just to talk about the classes that people are taking. People always wonder. I mean, you can read the electives on the on the website, but thank you for indulging that question. So, yeah. Grace, tell us a little bit more about your background. What did you do before coming to Darden? Yeah, um, I kind of had a couple of different careers for Darden, actually. Uh, I started after um, graduating from Michigan with in business. I started then in the PAGE program at NBC. So I am not sure if you're familiar with that is, but if you've seen 30 Rock, it's like Kenneth the Page. Um, I was, you know, giving tours and that ended up kind of building itself into a job within alternative television at NBC. So Specifically, I was working on sourcing IP internationally and bringing it into the U.S. market for um, production on a local scale and then vice versa, taking U.S. shows and making them locally abroad. Um, I loved that. It was a really amazing, cool, immersive experience and then decided that before, you know, I had business school on the horizon and wanted something that was a little more quant focused and so um, made a shift to go work at ServiceNow, working in digital marketing strategy. So I was really immersed into something that was kind of brand new and it was a great challenge to understand 
uh, data and analytics through a marketing lens and understand how we as B2B marketers could uh, reach our captive audiences. All right. And Ellie, how about you? What did you do before coming to Darden? Great question. I am actually a double who, so I went to UVA undergrad and I studied public policy there. Um, I moved to San Francisco after I graduated and I worked in business operations for a small cancer research startup. Um, unfortunately, that startup went under after a few months of me being there. Um, and then I found myself, I applied and, and worked and got the job, but worked at um, a cybersecurity startup much later stage. I started in recruiting there and then transitioned into brand marketing um, and strategy. I actually had my own podcast at that company as well. So kind of a funny story being on the other side of the mic here. But um, yeah, and then came to Darden because um, I wanted to start my own business. And I was also really interested in venture capital. So wanted to grow my quant skills. All right. It's not every day that we have a podcast host on, on the podcast <laughs> as, as a guest. So um, uh, so how did you get interested in pursuing an MBA? You mentioned that you wanted to you know, grow your own business and also interested in venture capital. But what initially sparked your interest in an MBA? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I had, so my brother went and got his MBA and I had some older friends who had also gone back to school. And so it was through those conversations that I even realized that this was a possibility. Um, and I also started to realize that there were tangible skills that I was missing for some of the things that I wanted to do. Um, especially within venture capital, I, I wanted a much deeper understanding of financial modeling, of um, analysis, things like that. And I knew that going back to school would really provide me that opportunity. Grace, how about for you? What got you interested in it? Yeah, yeah, similar to Ellie, my uh, dad got his MBA and has always throughout my life spoken so um, highly about his experience and the people he met most most often he spoke about the people and how that has kind of carried through beyond the classroom. Those connections have helped shape his career. Um, so it's always been kind of on my radar. My brother actually went to Darden before me, so he had a great experience and could vouch for Darden. But specifically for me, I knew that eventually I wanted to work for myself or work within a company that was a part of something that I had created. So to do that, I needed the, going back to the people, I needed connection. I needed the people that could support me and that could kind of build this ecosystem for me. And then, yeah, I needed to kind of really hone some skills that I didn't necessarily have or wasn't as, weren't as sharp as I thought they would be in the startup space. So all that kind of came together in a perfect storm and led me here. Yeah, I'm curious, Grace, you mentioned having this personal connection to Darden. Um, what ultimately led you to say, though, this is the place that I, I want to be? Yeah, um, it's a couple things. I think it was really the human two things. It was the classroom case method was a huge component. And then it was the human element. So Darden really focuses on the community that you create while you're in the classroom. It's not the kind of place where you might, you know, just see someone once in a while. You're really with your 350 other classmates all the time. And I think that that's the best way to learn for me is by creating community and by like out of the classroom, having these experiences with people. So I saw that come through with my brother's experience. I saw the great connections he made and the things he did like case competitions or 
Um, just like he was the Darden Cup chair for his section, those things were really impactful. And that is something that I wanted. Um, and then I mentioned that I studied business undergrad. And for me, it was really like I wanted a case method that would allow me to think differently a bit about, about business and actually apply some of the concepts that I had already learned in real time. So that kind of was the perfect place. This is the perfect place for me to do just that. Ellie, same question for you. What led you to DART? Yeah, I so honestly, I I was nervous about applying to Darden because I had come, I'd done UVA before. And so I, I thought I wanted to explore other options, but hands down throughout the admissions process compared to the other schools that I was talking to, I I can't even compare the level of attention and effort that Darden admissions gives to each and every student and the care. Um, I have to shout out Haley Whitlock, Giordi. She's the best. She's been incredible. Um, just the level of communication, it, it just kind of, it broke down all of my concerns about coming back and redoing this experience. And it also made me realize that this was a completely different experience in UVA undergrad. Um, and so just to echo what Grace said, it's also the case method and it is absolutely the community here. The people here are incredible. You will get to know every single one of your classmates. We all live in close proximity. We all moved to Charlottesville to be here. We didn't already live here. Yeah, curious. So first year, you're part of a section. Um, what section were you, Ellie? I was in section E. Okay, the eels. Uh, did you have a favorite uh, section tradition, something that y'all did as a section that stands out? So Grace was in section E as well. Yep, same section. Um, I would say maybe not a tradition. I don't. I think this is kind of a fun thing, but there's always talk about how the different sections have like different pulses and different personalities. And we just loved how we fit so well into our sections, kind of like bold persona. Um, section E isn't afraid to just kind of be themselves. And I feel like that really resonates with both of us who can be sometimes quirky and like definitely like to be a little bit off the beaten path. And we just love being around people who were so similar to us in that way. I have one story that I can share that I love talking about. So um, in one of our classes, uh, what we do as a group to raise money for our end of year party is we agree upon before class a theme of discussion for the day. And so this was for a strategy class. And the theme of the day was the Beatles. And so the contest was for as many Beatles references as you can make in your comment of the day, you would pay a dollar to the fund for the end of your party. And someone actually worked in um, Yellow Submarine into his comment before the professor finally realized what was happening. It's really fun. Believe it, or, believe it or not, that actually has come up on the podcast before. Oh, no, no, no. Who said it? Um, uh, Victoria Velasquez. Yes, yes, yes. Classic, classic Victoria. And um, yeah. Maxwell Silverhammer. It was impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Well, it was fun. It was great the first time. Also great to hear about it the second time. Obviously, it's something that makes an impression. And I, I still can't imagine all that going on. And she said it took a little while, but the professor eventually caught on. It's like, yeah, wait, hold on. What's going yeah. on here? She was like, okay, so y'all are doing the Beatles today. <laughs> yeah. 
We also have a section mate, Kevin, who would sometimes wear a um, stick on mustache in class. <laughs> and like, just for no reason, I didn't tell anyone about it. But like some days he'd be wearing it, some days he wouldn't. And people would slowly start to notice. <laughs> and it always, you know, especially in those hard classes, you're maybe like kind of making your way through finance and to see Kevin in a mustache in the corner was always like a nice little um, pick me up during the day. Definitely. Yeah. I didn't know that Section E had this bold, sort of quirky personality yeah. about it, but yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. So you come to come to Dard, your brand new first year students. Grace, what was that adjustment like? Um, so I have a unique situation in which I came with my now husband, then fiance, who is also a student. So I got, I think I had a little bit of a nice um, advantage that I had a built in friend to do this with, which was. Um, amazing. But even if I hadn't had that, I think the transition is, I always think back to how seamless it was because of course it's daunting to come to a new town and to meet all new people and have to make all new friends. But it really felt like in a matter of weeks, I had been there for already maybe six months. Like things went really fast. People were so welcoming and nice and getting to know people was really seamless. So the transition overall, I think was a lot um, easier than I expected on a social front. And then on the classroom front, of course, case method's going to be something that takes some time getting used to, but it's nice that everyone's in the same boat and everyone's doing this for, for the most part, the first time. And so um, we really got some kinks out. You learn how to engage with your classmates, how to speak to the people in the classroom, not to necessarily speak to the professor. And again, in a matter of weeks, I felt like I had been doing it for months. So it was a great transition. Ellie, what, what was your experience like? Yeah, I think um, it's definitely an adjustment because you're coming from working, you know, you're very scheduled throughout the day. Oftentimes I had some flexibility with work and travel and whatnot, but when you come to Darden, you know, you're in class from eight to one, 10 every day. And then you've got your learning team, which is a group of your classmates that you help work together through cases um, in the afternoon. So it is certainly adjustment, but I think like what Grace said, you get to know people so well, so quickly, and you build that community really early on. Um, that it helps a lot. I met Grace like the second or first day here. Yeah. Um, and and that helps with the adjustment because I think whatever business school you go to, you move to, it's a transition and it just depends on how, you know, you can build that community for support. Mm -hmm. So Ellie, you'd mentioned this sort of entrepreneurial interest. Is that something that you and Grace connected around this uh, idea of maybe even starting starting a venture? Yeah, I think this is probably one of our first conversations just talking about that we wanted to build something while we were at Darden. Um, we also plugged into a um, women uh, founders group very early on. It's called the KPI Club. Um, it was started by Damon DeVito, who used to be the adjunct professor for Venture Velocity here. Um, and so we started doing that going to those meetings within, I think it was the second or third week of school. Um, we didn't have the idea that our venture is today, um, but it was so great to have that community to start workshopping ideas, to start taking this seriously, to have support from other people. Um, yeah. Grace, how did y'all hit on your 
particular idea? Um, so as Ellie mentioned, we kind of, we knew we wanted to start something. And originally we had actually been thinking about starting our own things. And as we became closer friends, we realized that if we were going to really do something, the chances of it taking off were going to be amplified if we did it together. Um, the specific idea was really just kind of rooted out of the thing that we've found ourselves doing so often um, in in UVA socially. So when we first got here to make friends, we were on the pickleball courts probably twice a week for two hours at a time playing pickleball with all of our new friends. It was a great way to like move, get some exercise and actually be social at the same time. And we were kind of new to the sport, but we were wearing our, you know, yoga clothes. We were wearing leggings and we were wearing um, like, you know, kind of a matching top, let's say. And it there wasn't anything that really was out there for pickleball players. And what that meant more so is that usually after we played, we would go and grab a drink or grab a bite to eat um, at, you know, a bar or a restaurant nearby. And we couldn't really feel comfortable wearing that yoga clothes to those places. So from there, kind of sparked the idea of what if we reimagine what pickleball athletes look like? and what they wear, what they use for their paddles to become something that's a little more aesthetic and that can take you seamlessly from court to cocktail. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm so fascinated by the pickleball. I don't know if it's a renaissance or emergence. Like, it's become such a such a thing. It's very popular here in D.C. where I live. And you always know when somebody's playing pickleball because you can hear it from yeah. a ways away. Oh, yeah. Um, how did y'all get into the sport, Ellie? How did you get into pickleball? I think like it was within the first week here, people, you know, you start meeting people and people are saying, Hey, we're playing pickleball. Do you want to come out? And that's as, that's as simple as it was. That's how I started playing. Um, so now we've both played for a little over a year. Um, and most people we met have started playing within the last year or two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We found that it's, so addictive. So once you play once, it's really hard to put the paddle down and, um, which is great for our business is that at least as a consumer myself, I found that as I get more into it, I'm like, I need the next thing. I need the gear. I need the paddle that fits me as a person and fits my style and, and, and makes me feel good while I'm playing it because it's a statement about me. And so just as players ourselves, we've really kind of proven the concept that um, this sport is really sticky and it's really fun. So there's a definitely a growing uh, consumer base out there. Well, Ellie, tell us a little bit more about, about the venture. What's the name and um, the concept? Absolutely. So the name is Play Henry, and we are an elevated pickleball apparel and equipment brand. Um, as Grace mentioned before, the origin of the idea just really came from us seeing that there was nothing in the market, no brand in the market that was specifically designed for pickleball activewear. You know, you have your tennis brands, you have your yoga brands, you have your running brands, um, but there wasn't something specific for pickleball. And so we found that that was really a gap in the market and we wanted to tackle that. Um, we're very excited. We just launched about a month ago and our first product is our pickleball paddle. We spent the last year prototyping and developing the paddle. Um, and getting it to a really great place where we feel it's such a high quality and good looking paddle. Um, you can pre-order that today. It also, you can regularly order it on September 30th. Um, so I can tell you a little bit more about that later, but that is the gist of the idea. 
And Grace, where's the name come from? Yeah. Um, so, you know, Ellie and I knew we were going to start this and we we're kicking around some ideas for names. And we found kind of just serendipitously out that we both had the name Henry that was in our family. So it's a family name for both of us. My brother's name is Henry. Um, Ellie's dad's name is Hen- Henry. Ellie's brother's name is Henry. And so it's just relevant in that sense for us. It's kind of always been around, but more so we thought that in looking for a name, we wanted something that felt both playful um, and still elevated and classic. And the name Henry really does do that that justice. It's classic. It's it's timeless. It's you know sleek and modern at the same time. And then adding play to it kind of just reiterates the point of we are playful. We're here to be recreational athletes and to create balance within our lives where we can go work out and play really hard and be athletic and compete. And at the same time, we can then go afterwards and hang out with our friends and be social. So the two words kind of came together there as play Henry. And it, um, we think really encapsulates the vibe of our entire brand. And Ellie, y'all were part of the Summer iLab Incubator cohort. What was that experience like? Yeah, it was a great experience. Um, For those listening who are not familiar with the iLab, it is a 12-week program for those that are starting ventures in business school. Um, And you apply to get in, you interview with a group of um, local investors and people that sit on the board, and then you know, if you're selected, you get to participate in this summer long program. Um, I really enjoyed it. Our We had speakers come every Tuesday and Thursdays, and those range from people um, who are have had long careers in marketing or operations. Um, we had many sessions, just your assigned groups. And so you have a support group and you talk through your updates every week. Um, And then one of our favorite parts of the program is that you're assigned a mentor and your mentor usually has some sort of alignment with your business, um, with your brand and with the goals that you're trying to achieve. Um, It was a great experience. Grace, anything you'd want to want to add about the about the experience we've had in the iLab? I think to kind of really echo Ellie's point about the mentorship, that was really valuable to us um, to be connected with someone who's in the Charlottesville community specifically and who also understands the um, landscape of entrepreneurship within our community. So we really benefited from that. Just a great relationship that's carried on beyond the program. So we've kind of continued that connection and have really benefited from mentorship. Yeah. Shout out to Murray. (laughs) So Grace, I'm curious. So you get together, say, we want to start something. All right, we've been playing pickleball. Uh, we see there's this gap in the market. How do you go from there to where you are now with like a pro- with a paddle that's been developed? To, like, what is it? What do the steps look like along the way? Yeah, um, I think that's a great question. It was I for first and foremost, we had to acknowledge that we didn't know what we didn't know. So we were fans of the sport, new to the area of manufacturing, new to a lot of the elements that would require us to get from 
from zero to 10 in our business, basically. And so I think first step was just talking to tons of people. We talked to people who had manufactured their own pickleball paddles. We talked to people who just played the sport um, and were avid fans and had opinions about the products that they consumed. We talked to experts within the apparel industry about manufacturers and manufacturers in the U.S. specifically, really tapping into our networks. And then our network's network allowed us to gather information that was really valuable in that initial outreach step to places that would actually manufacture the paddle. Ellie, was there ever consideration like if you you kind of get into it and then you realize like, oh, man, I don't know if we could do this. Would you have shifted to a different idea was or were you all you know convinced that pickleball was where you wanted to go? You know, I think from all that we've learned at Darden about effectual entrepreneurship, we are very open to pivoting. Um, and I think just throughout our customer discovery, all of the conversations that Grace just mentioned, we certainly have pivoted as far as branding and messaging. But all of those conversations reiterated that there is a gap in this growing market. And so that was really exciting for us and validating in that you know, we were on the right path. Did some things need to be tweaked and changed? Absolutely. And that was another thing that iLab really helped us do is help pivot and iterate over the summer um, to get to the point we are today. All right. So you have have a paddle uh, that's there. So how are you thinking about what's next uh, for, for Play Henry? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think to Ellie's point, like, from that effectuation model, we're always thinking about how we can react and respond to the changing uh, consumer demands. So this paddle goes out, we'll get feedback from our customers, people will respond. And based on that response, we may have pivots to make or we may have little tweaks here and there. So that's always happening in the um, in the background. I think we're really thinking about our next step is how can we understand the consumer and and continue to meet their needs. So whether that be um, expansion into personalization of our paddles, so looking at um, creating paddles that can be custom ordered for our audiences, um, that's something that's huge for us right now. That's kind of like taking us to the next step. Um, but that's based on conversations that we had with, with consumers who were like, I would love this paddle if it had my um, wedding logo on it, things like that. So I think that's a huge um, area of opportunity for us going forward. We're really excited about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about the pickleball consumer. Um, so Ellie, do you find that like people are willing to invest this kind of money or is it more just sort of like something that they do not particularly particular about equipment? Like what what's a pickleball consumer like? Yeah, well, like Grace mentioned a couple minutes ago, pickleball is incredibly sticky. And so when you're starting out playing, you don't really know much about the equipment and the quality. So you're likely to fall into a lower price point paddle, which would be around $50, $60. The people that play and play and play and keep playing, they will soon realize that that quality is not conducive to higher performance. And so to give you a range of what players pay for pickleball paddles, it'll go to the low end at 60 the highest end is around $275, $300 for a paddle. Um, our paddle is high performance, but we price it at $125 because we believe there's this middle market where most pickleball, well, sorry, excuse me, pickleball players fit into. And that's those people that play weekly. So they may not travel for tournaments. They may travel for tournaments, 
but mostly they're playing weekly. They're playing with their friends. They're playing at their country clubs. And we find that that's a perfect price point for them. And I will say to the point of our consumers willing to spend, we think yes, um, it's a lifestyle sport. And as I mentioned, people who get into it, get really into it. And there's what we found is there's not necessarily a cap to um, people are so passionate about it that they are willing to spend the dollars to continue to invest in their play. Yeah. One interesting statistic that we came along in our conversations is that pickleball players on average spend three times as much as tennis players on their paddles. And I think that's because when you have a tennis rack or whatnot, you get it restrung every now and then. For paddles, there are just different types of paddles. There are paddles that are meant just for spin, paddles that are meant for control. You've got different styles, different aesthetics. Um, so it, it really is such a different market. I will say this as somebody who hosts this podcast. I had no idea about any of this stuff. I'm not in the pickleball community. I did not know that there were different kind of paddles. Like you just, yeah. I just thought there was a paddle and you just had a paddle and you go and play. Right. No, it's so a labyrinth. Yeah, you can really get you can really get into it. It's um there's tons of different shapes, there's different dimensions. Like for example, our paddle has an elongated design because um it helps with reach and control because you basically have a smaller sweet spot, but you can kind of use your paddle to extend further. Some paddles are a little bit wider because maybe you need to, you're a beginner player and you want to just get contact with the ball. So there's tons of different specifications down to like what the material, the polymer is, it's, it's quite, it's quite, um, you can really nerd out on it if you, if you want. So it sounds like your pickleball consumer, particularly somebody who's thinking about a paddle of this quality, pretty discriminating as well, like might have particular desire specifications, thinking about what it's made of, all these kinds of things. Yeah, I think what we want is we want someone to be able to come and just know that based on this name, there's not too many decisions you have to make. This is a great mid price point paddle that will fit their needs and elevate their game without having to think too deeply. You can leave the like, what's the core made of for us, but the trust that the research and that the um, testing and learning has gone into it hopefully eliminate some of that um, consumer kind of uh, the obligation of the consumer to over-educate themselves on the paddle. So Ellie, have you all started thinking about the apparel end of things yet? Is that also something you're working on? Yeah, it's funny you asked that. We just had a meeting today with apparel consultants that were incredibly helpful for us. And um, apparel is definitely top of mind. Um, obviously we're still students, so we're doing the best we can to manage this business while staying at Darden. Um, but yes, we are working with a technical designer now to produce our first, the sketches and the tech pack of our first product. Um, we can, should I share the product? Sure. Okay. We're developing a pickleball dress. Um, and so it'll be a otherwise looking streetwear dress, but made of activewear, breathable material. As Grace mentioned earlier, our motto, motto is court to cocktail. So something that you can go run around the court on, play pickleball, but then seamlessly transition to going to a restaurant with friends and hanging out after. Grace, anything else that you're working on that you'd want to highlight here? No, I think that that's kind of our main our main focus on the apparel game. I think we're also really excited about some more of our accessories that are kind of helping build out our brand. So coming to you soon will be 
hats, socks, sweatbands that I think are a really fun way to accessorize and to, again, look stylish while you play. We really want to make sure that uh, at the forefront of all of our apparel is this element of fun and playfulness, but still maintains a element of fashion. So, you know, it's something that is stylish. So that's really exciting for us as we continue to build out these new product line extensions um, that they really boast our brand name and, and help people feel stylish while they play. Ellie, how do you feel like your Jordan experience has helped you as you've worked on this venture? Oh my gosh, I could say so many things about this. Um, the resources at Darden to start a business are second to none. Our professor mentor, Jim Zuffaletti, has been incredible. He has been supportive from the first day that we have met him. He's set up industry connections. He talks to us from things that are large picture, so vision, to as small as how do I file you know, sales tax for accounting purposes? So he is there with us every step of the way, and I can't overstate how valuable that is. Um, on top of the people, I would just say the curriculum has helped a lot because it is a more um, generalized curriculum, just going through accounting, going through finance. It really gave us a strong foundation to do this business and really apply the things that we've learned um, within a year of learning them. So we didn't even have to wait till we graduated um, to really use these skills. So I always say you don't have to go to business school to start a business, but you will have a lot easier of a time starting a business having gone through business school. Yeah. I really think that there is no better place for us to have begun just because of this network of people and yeah. support. And if you have a question, I guarantee you, Someone in your class has probably done the thing that you are wondering about in their past career, or they might know someone who does. So just, it's a wealth of knowledge and being able to have such a great support system from um, the faculty and then also from our peers has been really encouraging along, along the way. Well, Grace, last question for you here. Um, piece of advice you would share with our prospective students who are listening to this episode, thinking about their own MBA journey? Yeah. Yeah, of course. This is something that I've had to work with a little bit, and I, especially as we've done our marketing. But I think that if you're not embarrassing yourself, then you're probably not taking enough risks. So um, something that I've been pushing myself to do <laughs> lately is to try to be a little bit more embarrassing in my day-to-day -day life as it pertains to putting myself out there and our business out there. So doing things that are uncomfortable yeah, it might be not feel so great in the moment, but afterwards you're going to be glad you did. And I have to remind myself that every single day. So take more risks, be, be embarrassed. No one really is paying attention to you except for you. So I think with that kind of levity, you can move forward in your business or in applying to business schools. And just remember that it's not that serious. Everyone else is kind of rooting you, you on and has your best interest in mind. How did you come to the realization that like you needed to try to embarrass yourself more on a, on a yeah, daily basis? So we need to do TikToks for our social media marketing for the business. And I just like have a hard time with being on camera. I'm just not, I'm like, I worked in reality TV behind the camera. I'm very good at being behind the scenes. And Ellie was a great push and being like, I mean, we have to do it. This is like the way to get ourselves out there. And we just, I said, fine, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. And we shot some videos and yeah, like it wasn't my best work. I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm not a natural, but um, 
but for sure it helped like the next time around it felt less um less awkward and less embarrassing and finally I would say like if I think the other realization it kind of just like hit me I was if I look back on my life and I haven't done things that I'm like oh that was like probably a little risky and embarrassing in the moment then I think I won't have as many great stories to tell so might as well do it now and if it's uncomfortable in the moment it's going to be fine all right Ellie a word of advice for our listeners my advice is you can't start a business in a vacuum. And one of our entrepreneurial teachers taught us the best thing you can do is constantly ask for favors. And I know that that can make people so uncomfortable, but it doesn't have to be these high stake favors. It's can I have 15 minutes of your time? It's can I show you my pickleball paddle? Can you play with my pickleball paddle? And I think that pushing yourself to ask things for others, you will find yourself very surprised at how positive the responses are and how people want to be involved. People are excited by new ideas, by new ventures. People are generally very, very responsive and positive. So I just would encourage people to stick their necks out, ask more than what they're comfortable with and just see where it goes. Well, Grace and Ellie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, Grace, Folks are interested in learning a little bit more about Play Henry. They want to check it out, see what this paddle is all about. Where where can they do that? So you can go to our website at playhenry.com or you can check out our Instagram. It is at shopplayhenry. All right. Well, best of luck with your venture. It's so much fun hearing about this. Pickleball, it's all the rage these days. So um, we'll have to have you back on uh, on the podcast to talk about how things are going with the paddle and maybe, maybe apparel. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you. And that was my conversation with Grace Collins and Ellie Jamison, all about their startup venture, Play Henry. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. You can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. Till next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.